Hallelujah. Don't you love Jesus today? I love that scripture that he read at the very beginning, that picture of Jesus out of um, Isaiah, where it said he was a, a man of sorrows, stricken with grief and afflicted. You know, anytime I think about my Jesus, I don't think about those words. A man of sorrow, of stricken with grief. And uh, he did that for us. He wasn't a man of sorrow until he came down to this earth. He lived and breathed in a human body and limited himself to a flesh who was always, has been full of great power. In heaven with his father, the word was, always, has been. And yet he confined himself to a body for us. He dealt with tiredness and feebleness and hunger. He had to, to go away to pray, to commune with his father, where he never had to do that before. He is so amazing, isn't he? Let's just tell him one more time how much we love him. Jesus, we just love you. We thank you for your sacrifice, everything that you sacrificed. And it wasn't just a sacrifice on the cross. It was every single day of your life after you laid down your glory and came in human flesh. We are so thankful for everything that you did for us. Now we pray for this word that's going to come forth today. Father, use my mouth to make it clear what you want to minister to us, life and hope and encouragement today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God is good. And all the time, God is good. Well, we're going to talk today, and I titled this message, Calgon, Take Me Away. (laughs) And I thought it was very fitting what Pastor Dan Prox talked about in his exhortation time and when he was getting ready to pray after worship was over. And it just kind of fits right along with the message. I thought, okay, we can go home now. He just about covered it. He had no idea what my message was about. But it's about God using those things in our lives to help us to grow and what we do with those stressful situations. So Calgon, take me away. Who remembers Calgon, those commercials? (laughs) What to do when you're overwhelmed. So we're going to look at a a picture real quick. (laughs) I'm a little stressed right now. Just turn around and leave quietly and no one gets hurt. (laughs) Who can relate to this picture? Has anyone ever in their life felt like this person? (laughs) And I was there a couple months ago. I went through a season of, and we have said for the last 19 years, our life has been busy and we're like, oh, this is just a season. This is just a busy season. You know, we got married and we're in Bible school and working and oh, this is just a busy season. It's going to get better. And then we started having kids and oh, this is just a busy season. And I don't ever remember not saying, oh, this is just a busy season. (laughs) It's never going to (laughs) end. But I was at a breaking point in February. Uh, My job is super crazy. The last quarter of the month, I work a day job. I'm a virtual executive assistant. It's a fancy word for secretary. (laughs) Only my boss lives in another state, so I do it virtually through the computer. But I work about 25 hours a week plus, 25-ish. 
plus the work that I do here, plus the teenagers, plus the husband, plus the house, plus the groceries, plus the cooking and the cleaning and the, you, you're with me. <laughs> so I looked like the person <laughs> on the screen. I was doing this and in the last quarter of the year, my job is super crazy because the company I work for is financially based. So closing out the year. Amen. So in January, I was looking forward to a little reprieve. However, my client took on three new committees. So I took on three new committees. (laughs) So the agendas and the retreats and the roundtables and the blah, 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 blah. It just went on and on and on. So my reprieve never came. So I felt like distressed. Just back away. Nobody's going to get hurt. Just leave the room right now and you won't get hurt. I just need, I need some some escape. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to escape. And so we did. We were blessed with a trip to Hawaii. And, you know, just close your eyes. Well, actually, you don't have to close your eyes (laughs) because this is an actual picture of a sunrise that I took when we were blessed to be able to be in Kauai. And doesn't it just look the opposite of the first picture? There's no stress there. There's just peace. However, I was still stressed. And to take my job with me and to work while we were there. But I was at the point right before we left with all the stress and everything. I was even tinging on depression and it's a little dark. Anyone with me? Are you still with me? Can you relate? Please make me feel better about myself and let me. Okay. So we get there and I have high hopes of warmth because it was, you know, 30 below the day we left sunshine. I mean, that's what you think of when you think of Hawaii, right? So we get in and it's chilly, (laughs) warmer than here, but chilly for there. So we're in jeans and sweatshirts. I'm like, okay, I don't have my parka and my hat and my gloves and my hand warmers and my, you know, ski gear on to even just walk to the mailbox. So this is okay. So we wake up the first day and it's raining. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, make it warm and sunny. So we go to Kauai and it's not, get, you know, it's dark and it's cloudy. This was the first day you can actually see the sun in the sunrise. And I went, got up earlier than they. I got up earlier than everyone else. And I took my journal and my Bible and my tears and my depression and my burnout and my stress and my frustration down to the beach. And I cried out to God, save me. Help me, get me out of this situation. This is too stressful for me. I can't take it. I'm about to burst. If you are, if your goal for my life right now is to see how far you can bend me before I break, I am there. I'm passing this test. I'm there. Okay, back it off, God. And so then, as I'm down there, I I had this um, scripture passage come to mind. It's Numbers 20. So I'm crying on the beach in Kauai, going, I know I should be happy right now. I know I should be just at peace right now, but what is wrong with me? Why can't I get past this? I am burning out, God. I need your help. And I remembered Moses in Numbers 20 said to the Lord, why are you so hard on me? I am your devoted servant. Why don't you look on me with affection? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why do I have the great burden of these spiteful people? Did I conceive them, bear them, and give birth to them? Why should you tell me to carry them as a nanny does some suckling infant into the land that you swore to their ancestors? It's like, God, you did this. This is your responsibility. Why did you put me here? And now where am I supposed to find meat to feed this crowd crying out? Then I give them food to eat. I simply cannot keep carrying them along. They are way too heavy. If you plan to treat me like this, then just kill me now. Anyone ever said that? (laughs) If you care about me at all, just put me out of my misery so I do not have to live out this distress. And as I'm praying this popped into my mind. And I was like, I relate, Moses. I am with you. And then God responded to Moses. He said, listen, just do this for me. Get 70 community elders, one whom you know, ones whom you know are real leaders among the people. Bring them into the congregation tent where we meet. Tell them to stand with you there. I will then descend among you. I will speak with you and withdraw some of my spirit from you and place it on them so that they can help you with the burden of this people, and then you won't have to carry it alone. And that's such a great answer, isn't it? God took that stress and that burden on and gave him people to help him. And so I have this all in my mind when I'm saying, God, I can't do this. I go to bed at night with more things on my undone list than my done list. I didn't text this one. I didn't send that sympathy card. I didn't call this one. This one had surgery two weeks ago, and I haven't even called it yet. Lord, like Moses, take this from me. And if you're not going to, then just kill me now. (laughs) And so I'm back. Here I am on the beach in Kauai. With all this going on in my mind, thinking he's going to give me a date, when this season is going to change, when I'm going to be able to drop this job, when I'm going to be able to just do ministry, when my time is going to free up so my life can be a lot more comfortable, right? Because that's really what we're after, some comfort, right? (laughs) And so I got the answer and the scripture verse that nobody ever wants to hear. You ready? My grace is enough for you. Oh! It's like, Lord, really? That's not what I'm going for here? I need a date. If I could just have something, I can be Xing off my calendar. I'll be easier to tap into that grace, right? (laughs) But I need some kind of termination point here because I just can't take it anymore. So then I got the next verse that nobody ever wants to hear when you're crying out for a change. Ready? I can do all things (laughs) through Christ who gives me strength. So I came back up from my walk just as depleted as when I left. And Michael's like, how are you know, how was your quiet time? I'm like, just don't even go there because he really hates me right now. God just hates me. These are my verses. And he's like, well, he'll help you. And he's trying to encourage me. And I was just not receiving it. <laughs> so then it goes along couple more weeks, couple more weeks, still stressed, still burnt out, not tapping into that grace. And he's like, I am getting concerned for you. You need to just fix this. <laughs> I'm praying for you, but you need to just fix this. So then I took some time and I really delved into these verses. So this is what I want to look at today. Second Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 7. I don't know why I started in the middle of a sentence, but we'll just go with it. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. All right, we are not going to spend a bajillion 
hours on Paul's thorn in the flesh here. This is not a teaching on that. This is just kind of showing you where he was at. But I am going to say this. Um, thorn in the Old Testament was never used to describe sickness. Ever. It was always used to describe people. Anyone have any of those? <laughs> it was always used to describe the enemy. It was never used to describe sickness. And that's where a lot of people kind of hone in on that word infirmities there. But we're going to get to that in just a second. So keep your mind open. It's very clear here that it was a messenger from? Did this come from God? No. Okay. How many of you know if it came from God, Paul wouldn't be asking God to take it away? God gives good gifts to his children. So when we start talking about this today, I want you to know we are not talking about him telling you my grace is enough for you to bear some sickness. My grace is enough for you to bear some poverty or lack or sickness or depression or oppression in your life. This is not relating to something that he became a man of sorrow and grief for and hung on the cross for and already paid for. Okay? This is not what Paul is talking about here. And this is not what I am talking about here. If you have sickness in your body, it is not from God. And he wants it out of your body just as much as you do. Amen. Amen. He is not going to put something on you that he already paid to eradicate. Right? 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 All right. <laughs> Make sure we're on the same page here. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So that word infirmities in there can also mean weakness, can also mean feebleness. Does not always mean sickness. In fact, in Corinthians, both of them, when he used that word, he was never referring to sickness. So let's take that out of our minds right now, okay? <clears throat> One of the first things we want to do when we get into that tight situation, that stress where it feels like it's bearing down on you and wrapping all around you, the first, one of the first instincts is to run away, isn't it? To escape. Moses, kill me now. <laughs> if this is your plan, just take me out. I am not doing this my whole life. Our first instinct is to escape or to run away. And uh, Moses wasn't the only one who felt that. Elijah, when he had the, you know, that great big thing on Mount Carmel, the God caught his sacrifice on fire, and um, <clears throat> they killed all the prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. So what does Elijah do? He runs away. And he goes to the Lord and he said, listen, he, this is exactly what he said. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. <laughs> Our first instinct is to escape. And escape doesn't always mean changing locations. I tried to escape to Hawaii. And guess what? It didn't help. <laughs> Escape doesn't always mean changing location. Some people escape into TV because it distracts you and you don't have to think about your real life. Some people escape into to novels or books, alcohol, drugs, 
exercise. Some people escape into exercise and they exercise eight hours a day because they're running away from something. And so God doesn't want us to run away from it. We're going to confront it today in a good way. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, as I read this, I, I started to relate to Paul. And he knew what it meant and what it felt like to be overwhelmed. And that, like I said, that word infirmities can also mean femaleness. He knew human limitations. He got tired. He got weak. He got hungry. He couldn't do it all. How many of you like to think you can do it all? I'm raising both. <laughs> Don't I, baby? <laughs> he, that's, we have a thing taped over the kitchen window. I don't have to do it all. <laughs> that's what I have kids for. Paul. <laughs> I tell him all the time, you are slave labor. That's why I had you. I took care of you for a lot of years, and now dishes and law, it's all yours now. No, I don't. Kind of. Anybody else? Okay. <laughs> Paul got up early. Paul stayed up late. He knew what it was to be tired. Paul worked a day job. Anyone know what his day job was? He was a tent maker. So he worked a day job. He can relate to overwhelmed. And then he studied and he preached and he prayed more than you all. And then he had persecutions and he got kicked out of cities and he traveled around to all the churches to encourage them. And in his spare time, he wrote letters that later became the Bible. I think he knew what it meant to be overwhelmed. God, take this away from me. Three times he begged. Anyone ever beg? Oh, God, take this away from me. It's not just a light little prayer. He begged God, probably through sweat and tears and everything. Take this away from me. Take this away from me. And God said, no, my grace is enough for you. And that completely changed Paul's attitude after the third time. So if you don't, <laughs> you don't tap into it the first time either, just like Paul. Paul begged three times, and he said each time the answer was. Like, we don't always get it the first time. That's okay, we're human. But God said, my grace is enough for you. And the definition of that word grace there is divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflection in life, including gratitude. Grace is a divine influence on the heart and its reflection in life. So it's not just enough to take it in. Grace doesn't just come in, but it also reflects him in your life. People should be able to see his grace on you. People should be able to see it. They should be able to look at me and go, Wow. She could never handle that that graciously all by herself. She must be getting help somewhere. What is that? And it's supposed to draw people to ask you, what is so different about you? Because it's a divine influence on the heart that reflects into the life. <clears throat> a divine influence of the heart, of God's power, of God's anointing, of his peace, of his strength that reflects into life so that that person that you work with that just annoys you to no end is able to see that grace on you. 
you know, the one that we ask God to get him out of here, get this one out of here, take this one out of my way, because it's not comfortable for me. They annoy me. Okay, grace. We want them gone, and God's saying, they're the only me, you're the only me they're ever going to see. You don't know what you're praying for here. I need them there in your life so that you can show them what I look like because you've received the divine influence on your heart so that it can reflect out to them. But if we don't ever learn how to tap into that grace, it's never going to reflect out. Amen? People are supposed to be able to see it. And I like this 2 Corinthians. Let's put 2 Corinthians 12 back up in the Amplified. Second Corinthians 12, the one that says 8 through 10. and keep on going down. But it says, He said to me, My grace, my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. It's sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. So he's just telling Paul, man up. Cowboy up, buddy. It's time to just man up. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves the most effective in your weaknesses. Therefore, I will all the more gladly and glory in my weaknesses and infirmities that the strength and power of Christ the Messiah may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong and able and powerful in the divine strength. So what grace does not do, grace does not necessarily change your circumstance. Grace does not necessarily change your situation because my timetable is still the same. I run from the minute I get up to the minute I get down. Lay down at night, I have three kids, two of which are involved in track on two different nights. and That did not change. I still work a very stressful job. I still do ministry at the church. None of that changed. Paul still had infirmities. He had weakness. He had tiredness. He had a day job. He ministered to the churches and he wrote, let not, he had persecution coming from him from everywhere. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was left three days or a day and a night in the deep. Spent a day and a night in the shark waters. He was shark bait for a long time. None of that changed. But he went from begging God to change it to glorying in it, to being well-pleased in it, to saying, bring it on, because of grace. Why? I don't know that I'm there yet. I'm not there yet. In Philippians, where he says, I can do all things, he said, I have learned the secret. This is a learned behavior. Walking in grace is a learned behavior. We set apart the stinking thinking of the old man and we have to grab on to the thinking of the new man. It's a whole new mindset to walk in grace. To be able to look at that person at work that needs extra grace and say, I am so glad you're in my life. I am well pleased that you are here. It takes grace to be able to do that. His grace is enough, his divine influence and favor on our life. And I like what it says here that it, 
rests on you, dwells in you, and pitches a tent over you. His grace pitches a tent over you. And I, as soon as I was reading this, I, I thought of Mr. Magoo. Now, if you're under a certain age, and I'm not going to say what age that is, you're going to have to go home and Google that. (laughs) Who knows who Mr. Magoo is? Mr. Magoo would just walk through life and calamity would fall all around him. And he just walked through life. Nothing ever touched him. Nothing ever hurt him. It was all around him. Chaos everywhere. And Mr. Magoo just happy through life. And that's God's plan for us. As we tap into that grace and it pitches a tent over us, the situation might not change, the chaos might not change, but how it affects us, how it impacts us changes. Because His grace is pitching a tent over me. There is no bitterness that can attach itself to me. There is no offense that can attach itself to me. Because his grace is pitching a tent over me, his peace cannot escape. And his joy cannot escape. And it helps me to see my situations differently. And Paul, instead of wanting to run away from those situations, was ready to run at him. Why? Because it revealed the power of God in his life. Because the more persecution there was, the more presence of God there was. Because the more hardships that came, the more strength of God that he experienced in his life. Grace doesn't mean that our life is all going to be easy and rosy. That's not what grace means. It just means when there's an F5 tornado swirling all around your life that you will not be moved. Because he has pitched a shelter all around you. And I found this quote by Charles Spurgeon. I have learned to kiss the wave that slams me into the rock of grace. Our life could be easy and that would be fine, but you will never know the power and the presence of God like you do through a trial like you do through that persecution, like you do through that. We want God's power. God, pour out your power. God, pour out your presence. We want more of you. And his power is made perfect in? Oh, we don't want that. (laughs) We want your power and we want rosy happy days. I imagine a, a conversation between God and Paul. Paul to God. Use me, God. Use me. I just want you to use me, use me, use me. Anyone ever prayed that? And God, really? Really, Paul? All right, I'm going to use you. Miracles and signs and wonders and revelation. Intimacy with God. Flowing in his ministry. Yay, Father, thank you. I'm so glad you're using me. Persecution and hardships and shipwrecks. Oh, I don't want, God, I don't want that part. Take that part away. I want all the miracles and nothing that goes with it. Jesus even said that men will, the men that hated him are going to hate us. Right? Well, we don't want that. 
(laughs) But his power is made perfect in weakness. We're so afraid of the things that need the power of God. We don't want those. We don't want the things that need the power of God. We don't want sickness in our body. We don't want anything. We don't want anything to upset my apple cart of happy comfort. And he says, no, when you need the power of God, it's there. You just have to learn to tap into it. And that's where Paul was. Instead of telling it, get away, get away, get away, he was running to it because he had learned how to tap into the grace of God. I like to imagine a a conversation between Joseph and God. Joseph is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Old Testament men of faith. And my daughter asked me the other day, when you get to heaven, aside from Jesus, who's the first person you want to meet? And I said, Joseph. (laughs) I have studied him. I have felt like him. (laughs) I have lived his life. But Joseph was hidden in prison. And you see it in his story when the butler was being released. He goes, get me out of here. I'm not supposed to even be here. I didn't do anything wrong. Get me out of here. And the butler, okay, 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 okay. I'll go to Pharaoh. I'll get you out. Don't worry. I'm happy. I'm being released. I'm out of prison. All is good. Okay. But then what did the butler do? He forgot Joseph. In two more years, Joseph was hidden in prison. He probably felt more stuck. He was stuck in that tight place. He was stuck in that prison, fighting despair, holding on to God, right? Two years. But guess what? Prison was God's plan for Joseph. Let that sink in. Say law on that one. (laughs) God's plan A for Joseph. He put him in there on purpose. Was it comfortable to the flesh? No. But it was God's plan A for him. And Joseph trusted him even when he didn't understand. He had he really had no choice. If Joseph had understood God's plan, he wouldn't have been begging to get out of there because he'd have known in two years... I'm going to be promoted to the second in control of all of Egypt and the whole nation will bow down to me and my brothers are going to come bow down to me and my life is going to be cushy and my life is going to be rosy and I just have two more years. If he had understood (laughs) why this was happening, he would have been exiting every day off on his two-year planner. (laughs) Okay, 358 more days, 357 more days, right? Because when you understand and you're excited about something, it's easier to tap into grace, isn't it? You don't even hardly really need grace. You can just go on momentum when you understand. Anyone in here getting married? No. We've got some engaged couples in the church, and guess what? Every single one of them knows how long it is until their wedding day. And our phones help us. You can count down anything. We count down to vacation sometimes. (laughs) You can count down to the last day of school. You count down. Joseph would have been Xing those days off on his calendar. I'm almost done. Okay, 10 more days. I can do this. And one more day, Pharaoh's calling me. I'm out of here. But he didn't understand. I know. There's a reason that I don't 
not on the praise team. But <laughs> Pastor Michael is a much better dancer than I am. But <laughs> you only need trust when you don't understand. Right? It doesn't take much trust when you know the plan. Because you can trust me. You only need trust when you don't understand. And guess what? Here's a little, I'm going to clue you into something. You're going to go through the season anyway. <laughs> Paul was going to go through the persecutions and the hardships and the insults and the weakness and the feebleness and the limitations. And he was going through all that anyway. We're going to go through our season anyway. I can't do anything to change my season right now. Why? I need an income. Oh, you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> so I'm going to go through this season anyway. But whose choice isn't how we go through the season? You're going to go through it anyway. You can go through it weak and tired and depressed and complaining and bringing misery to yourself and everybody around you. Or you can tap into the grace and the power and the strength of God and like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> How do you do it all? It's God's grace. It's his power. Even Jesus, the son of God, all powerful Jesus healing everywhere that he went. What did he say? I can do nothing of my own. It's the Father in me that does the works. Jesus was full of grace. Why? Because that's just who he was? Or because he tapped into the presence of his Father all day long? So how do you tap into the grace of God? John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you. Right? That's how Jesus did it. He had limitations. He had weaknesses. He had persecution. And he took himself away to pray. And he stayed vitally united and connected to the vine. The only way to tap into grace is to stay connected to the source of grace. And how do you do that? Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Spirit, right? And he's the Spirit of grace. This is God's potential for each and every one of us. I was depressed. Depressed, wasn't I, baby? It was bad. It was dark. <laughs> The, I made an appointment with the doctor to go get on an antidepressant. Of course, she couldn't get me until August, <laughs> which was even more depressing. <laughs> and I was ready to give it all up. Maybe I'm not called to ministry. Maybe I should just quit the church. Maybe I should just stop blogging altogether. If I have to work, I can only do so much, God. Use me, take my whole life. Oh, wait, but don't take that. <laughs> because I can't. When we say I can't, it's a, oh, that's a good place to be. 
Because the greater one, the greater one with his divine influence upon your heart is just waiting to work in you and through you. Have you ever gone to help somebody move and they wouldn't let you do anything? <laughs> Can I pack anything for you? No. Can I carry any box? No, I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that, I got it, I got it, I got it. And we have a helper at the ready on the inside of us just waiting for us to tap into that grace so that he can take over. But we don't like to relinquish control. (laughs) I will do it myself, thanks, because I trust my plan more than the unknown. But let me tell you, you can trust your unknown future to a very known God. And his plans for you are good. They are good. And if the situation that you're in right now is not good, then guess what? It's not over. Because his plans are good. And we can stand and we can take authority and we can stand in his grace and we can speak his word. Right? Let me just read a few scriptures, a few psalms to you and soak in these. Psalm 31 says, How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. And I love the voice translation of this. It says, your overflowing goodness you have kept for those who live in awe of you. And you share your goodness with those who make you their sanctuary. You hide them. You shelter them in your presence, safe from the conspiracies of sinful men. You keep them in your tent, safe from the slander of accusing tongues. And Psalm 61 says, You are the one I call when pushed to the edge. When my heart is faint. When I'm overwhelmed. For you are my protection, an impenetrable fortress from my enemies. The Amplified says, From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed and fainting. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Yes, a rock that is too high for me. For you have been a shelter and a refuge for me, a strong tower against the adversary. And the NLT version in this says, From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. And a lot of times when I'm overwhelmed... And when I was in that depressed state, I mean, listen, there are physiological reasons for depression. And if you're dealing with it and you're on medication, stay there. I did not have a physiological reason. I let my mind go there. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed and when I started, it was because my mind was doing its own thing. Because I had misplaced my trust. Because I had misplaced my hope, my expectation. I had put all of my hope in getting over that on blue skies and warm weather. (laughs) And guess what will never take his place? Blue skies and warm weather. In the midst of any storm, 
you can be protected and safe in his presence. And it's just a mindset. And my schedule has not changed. And that stress still starts to rise up. And as soon as it does, he, he gave me this, this phrase or this sentence. Until there's breakthrough, there's grace. And so now every time the stress starts to rise up, I go, no, no, breakthrough will come. I will eventually get to do what's in my heart to do only and not be so pulled in my mind in a hundred directions. That will come. And if you're holding out for a dream, you don't let it go. You hold tight to that dream because if he spoke it, it will come to pass. Can I have, can I have two more minutes? Because this is going to encourage somebody. Rick Renner did a study on Facebook. Facebook can be good. Say Facebook can be good. John 10, 10. <laughs> the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he came to give life and life more abundantly. And the word steal is what you would expect. Somebody just comes steal something outright from you. But the word kill was not murder. The word kill was surrender. And it's, it really carries the meaning that if, if he can't come and take it from me out, right, he's going to create waves and chaos in my life to get me to surrender what God has already blessed me with. And that's why I was ready to surrender it right to him. Why? Because I wasn't tapped into grace. But the minute that you tap into grace... It changes your whole perspective. It changes your whole perspective. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His grace is enough. Because every time I say until there's breakthrough, there's grace, it's like this. (sighs) And I can get up and I can focus and I can do everything that needs done. Now, is my undone list still longer than my done list at the end of the day? It always will be. Why? Because my heart is so full of what I want to do for him. I'll never get it done. And that's okay. I like to... (laughs) I like to have something to get up for in the morning. (laughs) Can you all say my grace is enough? His grace is enough. Amen. Father, this was the best that I could do with the words that you've put in my heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the best teacher that's going home with each person in this place will take this word and bring it back to their remembrance and cause it to be a strength and an empowering on the inside of them to be able to get up and do what you've called them to do. To help them to walk in your peace and walk in your joy and see what they're going through through different eyes. And let it breathe hope and encouragement to them that until there's breakthrough, your grace is enough. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God's good, isn't he? All the time. time. God is good. We're going to go ahead and bless you and let you go. So if you'll just stand and reach your hand out. You know, we, we don't take it lightly that we get to speak divine words over you. And guess what? Sunday morning is not the only time we speak divine words over you. 
He brings you up in our hearts and we speak life over you and we speak the word over you all week long. So it's just, Sunday's the only day you get to hear it. (laughs) But please know that your pastors are speaking life over you. So I bless you with the life of God that his very life and strength and power would flow in you and to you and through you this week. I bless you with the grace, the divine influence on your heart this week, that when you feel weak, that you'll remember his strength is on the inside of you. I bless you with an intimacy with him this week, that this week will be one that you walk closer to him and have a deeper revelation of him than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This side of heaven.